Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Blood. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. Maintenance has been the most important aspect of weight loss for me, and nothing has helped me more in that department than Trifecta. Visit Trifecta.com today to find out why they're the best at what they do. My guest today is Mike Matthews. He is an American author and the creator of Legion Athletics. His latest book is called Muscle for Life. You can find him on Instagram at Muscle for Life Fitness. Mike Matthews, welcome back to the American Glutton Podcast. Thanks a lot for having me back. I appreciate it. Muscle for Life. This is your latest book. And this is something that um, I think about a lot because I already feel like I feel like I started getting serious and, and on track with my physique at such a late age because I was really 40 years old before I figured out a plan that I was going to stick to forever that seemed workable in the very long term. And even then, there's a lot of me that's going like, I am battling so much by being this old and trying to put on a little bit of muscle or retain every bit of muscle I have for however long I can. And there's also a lot of um, potentially uh, incorrect 
data that I have that tells me like my metabolism with age is slowing down so rapidly that I'm going to have to start eating. So I'm so excited about this book. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to to get it out there because it is um, it can serve, I think, the largest group of people out there who can use some help. Whereas my previous books have helped a lot of people, but they were more targeted, like you know, take bigger, leaner, stronger. Obviously, written for men, and specifically more written for men. I would say between probably 20 and 45, and men who don't have a ton of weight to lose, who are ready to get in the gym and squat and deadlift and bench press, and um, and who are ready to, to create, uh, even, even just creating a proper meal plan, you know, there, there's a bit of work that goes into that. And so, um, I'm, I'm proud of, of my previous books, but this Muscle for Life book is intended for, um, well, a few different people. So this is going to be, it, it's written specifically to the 40 plus crowd and it addresses some of these concerns. And, and fortunately, many of these things are myths like my metabolism is just slowing down or it's so slow now, or that it's so hard to gain muscle and strength now that I'm over 40 and, and we can get into any of these things. I'll, I'll defer to where you want to go with the conversation, but it's written specifically for the 40 plus crowd. Um, and, and specifically for people who are new to this stuff, right? Because if I have have a, a guy or a gal who is 50 years old and they have a lot of weight to lose, let's say more than 25% of their body weight, and they've never done any sort of resistance training before. If I were training them one-on-one, -on -one, I would not say, all right, hop in the car. We're going to do squats today. We're going to deadlift today. That, that's not where I would start at all. Uh, I would probably start with, I might even start with daily walks. That might be where we start. And then for our resistance training, we're going to start with body weight exercises is what we're going to do. And then we're going to work up to maybe some bands uh, once they've conquered some body weight movements. And then we're going to incorporate some dumbbells and, and we can work our way up to if they want to get to that point where they are now a proper weightlifter, so to speak speak, but that's not where I would start them. And so this book is for those people. It's for people who uh, I mentioned have a lot of weight to lose. And so that's regardless of age. Uh, what I just described there, I think is just as appropriate for a 20 year old as a 50 year old. Again, um, and, and I just know that having worked with, with so many people over the years, it's something you could say, oh, that's obvious. And, and you, you know it really firsthand. It would not have helped you to back in the beginning of your journey to have someone tell you, you got to deadlift, dude. If you're not deadlifting, uh, just give up, right? What's the John Paul Sigmarson quote? If there's no reason to be alive, if you can't deadlift, right? Like, right. That's fun when you've gotten fit, you have to be at a certain point. And, um, and, and, so, and so this book is to serve those people as well as anybody who is maybe just a bit intimidated by, regardless of their physical condition, intimidated by a, a, a strength training program. Again, get in the gym, go to where all the sweaty, grunty people are and uh, get under the bar and, and just bust your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's, I think there's different personalities that I can uh, associate with all of this. And, and I think I've even held those personalities at times at varying times in my life, but there's the, like, it's impossible. I'm never even going to step foot on the path of the walk because the whole thing is so big and I'm already, I've already done so much damage that it's like, I, I don't know where to start. And so I'm a failure. And then there's the hat I've worn where I've seen somebody 
doing something and I've been impressed and inspired and gone, well, I'm just going to go do that. And then I've hurt myself and wound up back in my house going like, and then back to the previous. Exactly. And so I, I think it's, I think it's really nice to have this because I also have, I'm constantly trying to get rid of these, these myths that steer me in my life because something is right. My, my, I have this idea that my uh, metabolism is slowing with age, therefore X, Y, and Z. And this is the something that's guiding my life to some degree. And then come to find out the scientists say not so much. And so it can no longer be an excuse, which is a, a really beneficial thing. That's not to say that at 40 years old, weight loss is going to be easy. You've got 40 years accumulated of like habits and all this stuff that you got to get rid of. It's going to be tough, but you don't have to have these things in your mind that are driving you or creating a narrative that isn't necessarily reality. Absolutely. And, and this, this metabolism point is something I discuss in the book. And um, uh, you know this, but for any listeners who, who haven't heard this yet, that what, there's, there's quite a bit of research that has been done on uh, the metabolic decline associated with aging. And the primary factors are lifestyle driven, which is great news. And, and one of the biggest factors is actually just has to do, it just has to do with lean mass, that if you don't do something to at least preserve the muscle that you have, you tend at about age 30 or so uh, in men, uh, we lose about 1% of our muscle mass per year. Uh, it just, it just chips away at us if we don't do anything to maintain our muscle. And because muscle is metabolically active, it, it costs energy to maintain this stuff. Whereas unfortunately body fat is not, and it doesn't cost energy aside from weighing more and having to move around, then our metabolism slows down as we lose muscle, but what happens if we maintain muscle? What happens if we at 45, 55, 65, what if we maintain an above average amount of muscle? We don't have to be jacked, but let's just say that we have more muscle than the average person. Well, then research shows that our basal metabolic rate, which is just the amount of calories it takes to stay alive, right? Then you add physical activity on top of that, essentially to get an approximation of total energy expenditure that it's going to be above average. So we can have an above average metabolism at, at 55, 65, and we can go from below average, under muscled, inactive, we gain muscle, we are regularly active, and now we're burning more calories on average than all of our peers. And if we compared that to, let's say our 20s, Eh, in some cases, it might be lower because maybe in our 20s, we were super active and we even had more muscle or we had hormones a little bit more on our side, which which let's take testosterone. There's no question that higher levels of testosterone are associated with lower levels of body fat. And it generally is easier to get in stay lean and muscular with higher levels of testosterone. That's true. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we need high testosterone levels to get and stay in great shape. Uh, you know, maybe a, an analogy could be gardening. And if you look at what goes into soil quality, right? So you could think of testosterone as one of these major factors as maybe the minerals in the soil. And if you had none of it, yeah, that's a problem. But as long as you have enough, so long as you are with, within the range of healthy normal, you can still grow great plants. Maybe you can't grow them quite as quickly uh, as before. Maybe they're not going to get quite as big as, as when the, the soil was outstanding. But 
let's not uh, to use a cliche let's not let perfect be the enemy of good or even great right yeah i love all this kind of data that dispels these ideas because a lot of them for a long portion of my life were driving my life and and the more that i get rid of them the more it does become like the only equation is what am I doing and what am I willing to do? What am I willing to change? What effort am I, I willing to put into it yep. to get some result? Right. And, you know, uh, I get thrown at me all the time. You're a, you're a wealthy actor. It would be easy for me too, if I was a wealthy actor. And I go like, I, I'm certainly not, I, I mean, I, I feel very lucky in my life that said, nobody has done one bit of work for me. Number one, number two, the majority of the um, success I've had with my body has just been me reading books like yours, watching YouTube videos, figuring out food that I like to eat and then doing, and then exercise routines and then doing that for a long period of time. And that's the only success I've had. So I'm super interested in people who have a desire, but have things blocking them. Like my age is blocking me or uh, my testosterone is blocking me or my wealth or accessibility to a private chef. I've never had a private chef. Like wh what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have that. I, I work out by myself. Doesn't, doesn't literally everyone in Hollywood, every single person. <laughs> I know. Don't you guy, all have private chefs, private trainers, uh, private masseuses, uh, wet nurses. I, I know one guy with a chef and he's vegan. So even that I'm like, I can't even go to this dude's house and eat because it's not the kind of food I eat. So like I've been shit out of luck on all of these like cushy things. Right. I don't I don't think it requires wealth. I don't think it requires being 20. I don't think it requires perfect genes. All of that stuff. I'm, I'm really glad you have a book that that's going to help even get rid of more of these misconceptions that I have had uh, so that I, so that is just me at the end of the day, what can I do? What do I want? And that is, that is the, the best, best perspective to have. And, and you really, you really put it uh, succinctly in that. What are you willing? It's really, what do you, what, what, what are you willing to sacrifice? What, what are, what, what's the cost that you're willing to pay? And, and I've, I've talked about this, I've talked about this and I've written about this as well to give people some perspective on the type of physique and what kind of sacrifice it takes to look like that. Because many people on social media, they don't talk about that. They might look great. Now let's take steroids. Let's take drugs out of the equation, um, which can make you look even better depending on how you want to look, I suppose. Um, but, but let's just look at diet. What does it take as a guy to maintain under 10% body fat as a gal, let's say under maybe 17 or 18%, uh, very lean, right? So this is to put some visuals to people as a guy, it's going to be full six pack. Um, once you get down to seven or 8%, now you're looking at like ab veins, right? And, and in women, it's, um, it's a little bit of a softer version of that because women generally have a little bit higher levels of body fat, mostly boobs and butt. But, and, but in a woman at 15, 16, 17%, um, she's also going to have abs, not going to be as defined as a man, but um, clear muscle definition everywhere in her body, maybe even a little bit more than many women would like to look 
but, but to maintain that look just on the diet side of things, um, you don't necessarily have to weigh and track everything you eat, but you're going to have to start with a very carefully designed meal plan where everything is weighed. So, you know, your portions, you know, exactly how much you should be eating. Um, you're going to have to stick to your calories within probably 50 to hundred calories. Of course you can never get it exactly right, but you can't have large swings. You can't have days where you just accidentally eat 500 too many calories. It's going to have to be pretty tight within 50 to hundred calories. And you can forget about cheat days. That's a completely out of the question if you want to maintain this type of physique. Even your cheat meals, treat meals, however you want to, your off-plan eating, you have to make sure that you're not allowing your calories to go too high. So you might have to now eat a lot less during the day so you can go to the restaurant and eat that thousand calorie dinner that you want to eat. And you have to be very, very consistent. And then of course, you have to also make sure you're consistent with your exercise routine because that's how you're keeping your energy expenditure up as well. So you can't really afford to skip many workouts and you can't afford to work out a bit less or a bit less intensely. And you basically have to do that forever if you want to look like that. That's right. the truth. That's right. the truth. And, and there, there, there are so many more accounts and, and I just gravitate more towards the hard work, how hard it is. But there are so many accounts where you look and you're like, this guy is representing that it's just super easy that yep. he woke up oh, and had I, this. What I hate is when when they'll show like a restaurant meal, right? Just a big pile of food. And they'll talk about how oh, they, they can eyeball their macros and they'll like put the mac grows and calories in as if, you know, they just showed up at Chipotle and again, got a mountain of, of delicious, uh, greasy meat and cheese, uh, but they eyeballed the macros and, and that's how they have, that's how they keep their ab veins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And right. then they, you know, like, I want to see one of those guys, uh, take a picture of his abs after he eats a big salad and is, yep. you know, all bloated from that. Like what, yep. You just are maintained and, and, go to, and go to some, some bad lighting too. And let's see how that looks. As yeah. Well. Like the bodybuilders with the perfect lighting that's never on a full stomach ever under any circumstances. And like, even that will make you look differently. So yeah, this whole idea that it's, it's just going to be easy. It's not, it's fucking hard. It's like really hard work. And that's just if you want to lose weight, right? Then to put on top of that, I, I just think the idea of staying in single digits, like for me, it's so hard that I'm never going to just hang out for a long time in single digits. I would be too miserable. Mm -hmm. And and it's good that you know that. And, and that's something that uh, I, I always like to see people come to understand is what is going to work for them as a long-term sustainable lifestyle? And, and let's, not, let's not start with a look per se, because like I just mentioned, there are many people I've heard from over the years, I'm sure you have, who say they would love to look like that, like what we just described. But then when they learn, again, what does it cost? And we didn't even talk about how much exercise you have to do. To, to, to do that effectively, I'm going to say five hours per week is, eh, you're, you're, let's, let's say five hours a week of lifting and probably another three to five hours a week of some sort of cardio. It doesn't have to be high intensity, but you have to be active, right? And so 
let's start with the, the, the lifestyle. And if somebody, if I describe that lifestyle and somebody's like, that is definitely not, not for me, then I go, great. I, th- there's no reason for them to start arguing with themselves about, well, but it would be really cool to have ab veins. And sure, maybe if you want to do it once, I understand just to do it. I understand that. But let's not look with the 30-day lens. Let's put on the 30-year lens and understand, like you just said, you can't live your life like that. And, and it's, it's, it's not worth it just to have, have ab veins. And so what I've found, having worked with many people, what I have found, and this is good news as well, and this applies to people of literally any age, anybody can accomplish this. What most people, the, the, um, the sweet spot they settle into, most guys, it is gaining from, let's say, starting with uh, not under-muscled, not over, just a normal normal type of dude for his age. Uh, if he gains anywhere from 15 to 25 pounds of muscle, depending on how he wants to look in the right places on his body, and he maintains a body fat percentage somewhere in between 10 and 15%, he's pretty happy. That's very athletic. You look fit, you look healthy, you feel good. And you also are within striking distance of those lower levels of body fat. If you want to do it for fun, you don't have to diet for like six or eight months to get there. Um, in women, it's probably 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in the right places on their body and a body fat percentage between 20 and 25%. In my experience, most women are thrilled once they get there. And again, if they want to get a bit leaner, they can always do that. If they want to even be a little bit rounder, like some women, it also depends where they tend to store fat. Some women, they actually find they like how their body looks at a little bit higher. They prefer 25 over 20, right? It's not all about how low can the number go. And, and um, in, in, that, in that range, also women look feminine, fit, athletic. They don't look jacked. They don't look shredded, which most women don't want to, I've worked with at least, they don't want to look like that. And, and anybody can do those things regardless of where they're starting. Some people are going to get there faster than others, but those, those milestones, those targets do not require the advantages of age, the advantages of outstanding genetics, even the advantages of an outstanding mindset. You don't have to be um, a person who is uh, willing to to go neurotically all in on counting every calorie. It, it, it's it's very doable and it's very sustainable, and that's very much the message of of this book, Muscle for Life. But it's also, I would say, an overarching mes- message of all of my work, and I try to represent that myself as well. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you ever find that the broader social media platforms are a little bit impersonal? Well, I do too. Sometimes it's hard to cut through all the noise on them. So we've started a Patreon. And it's got all the normal things a Patreon podcast typically has, like bonus ad-free and video episodes. But the part I'm loving the most is the American Glutton Discord channel, which is only available through Patreon. If you want to chat about diets or recipes, workout routines or motivation, it's all happening there. So search up American Glutton on Patreon to join the community today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I, I think this is so helpful. I... I, I... I've had conversations with gals who are like, well, I'm a, I'm a girl, so it's harder for me. So I'm just not going to do it. And, and I, I just think like at the end of the day, nobody, nobody has it exactly the same as anybody else. So, so we're stuck with whatever our lot is. And, and then if we're going to, if we're going to take these kind of generalized ideas that aren't necessarily absolutely true and let them dictate the way we go about existing. It's like, let's at least have this data be factual because if, if from what you're saying, it's like, it's, it's just hard and, and harder, whatever, who knows how hard it is for somebody else. We don't know how hard those, those Instagram or TikTok guys are working so that they always have abs in every picture. They're not showing us that. It's true. I, I just, hard. I just explained like um, there's no other way. And you know that you've experienced it firsthand. Yeah. Uh, even if, even if you add enough drugs into the mix, it, it doesn't give you as much leeway uh, with eating, for example, as, as some people think uh, it, it does make it a bit easier and it allows you to achieve a look that you can't achieve otherwise. But most of the, the secret sauce, so to speak, is not the sauce per se. It's what I just mentioned. It is yeah. what is, what is, what is often, or, or at least in many cases is an, is an unhealthy obsession. I mean, and, and I don't say that to attack anybody. I, I think that, um, there are worse obsessions to have, I suppose. Um, but, but let's just say that, that many people who, who were describing, they have very, they have very imbalanced lives and maybe they're okay with that. Um, but, but there are many, many others. And, and I would say most normal everyday people who, um, don't have that much time, even let's say to give to the gym or, or the inclination, uh, they, that, that lifestyle is, is, um, is anathema to them. Like they, they once they, if they understood what goes on behind the scenes, then they could kind of come to, to an understanding with themselves that, okay, that's not for me, but that doesn't mean that 
I can't find something that is for me. That would be maybe to, to analogize it to sports where you can get to a point where you understand that just, okay, I'm not going to be Roger Federer. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't play tennis and enjoy myself. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, a great way to look at it. Like you can participate. You can be a, you can be a successful participant and, Correct. uh, it's just kind of being realistic with yourself about what success is, you know, I, I, I think about Roger Federer and I don't know his story all that well, but I think about like the, there was a movie recently about the, um, Williams girls and mm. the, those kids were started working towards this goal and were utterly consumed by this goal of being like the best in tennis when they were children, little, mm. little kids. Mm. I, on the other hand, was working towards morbid obesity from the time <laughs> I was a little kid. I mean, you did, right? you did really well at it. To, I to be fair. succeeded like, <laughs> well, you know, and I think about that sometimes I like think about the amount of effort it, it, I put into becoming as big as I got. And I'm like, that was real work. I wasn't thinking about it like that. I was just kind of uh, acting upon my compulsions, but it was legit. I mean, like you said in my, the interview with my, on my show, uh, you weren't eating all that food because you were hungry all the time. So (laughs) at all, it had nothing to do with hunger. Yeah. That, that is, that is a good point. Like um, at some point, I think, I think it's probably possible for somebody to gain a few pounds from overeating due to hunger. If they're eating too quickly and they're not, uh, their cues aren't happening. Right. But for me, it was never about hunger. Like I just, I was way beyond the point of being hungry as I continued to eat. So these two things, that's another thing. Um, that's, that's one of the, um, slight beefs I have with the keto absolutists where they say like, well, if you just eat more fat, you won't be hungry. And I'm like, hunger wasn't my issue. Hunger was never my issue. I could compulsively overeat. I could very easily compulsively overeat ribeye steaks to the point where I'm gaining weight. No problem. So, or, 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 or a nut butter. Right. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to a whole jar of that stuff. If you're not paying attention, I mean, if it's the right, if it, they're pretty good and that's yeah. uh, that's, that's a lot of calories. Have you seen these keto bombs where it's, I, I actually don't know what it is, but it's like a, a thing to carry with you in emergencies. And if you're, if you get hungry, you just eat it. And it's like a thousand calories, a thousand calories. I have not heard of this. They're like maybe bricks of flavored butter or something like that. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's completely wild, but, um, you know, if you eat two of those in a day, most, I mean, for, for, for most women, like that's it, they're tapped out. That might even, that that's, it might even be too far. Right. Yeah. So that's two thirds of my daily calories right there. Yeah. All of those ideas, um, become a little bit wild and a little bit hard to manage. And, and, and I, I need to come back to reality sometimes and go like, no matter what my goals are going to require effort. Now I can perceive this effort as really, really hard, or just, I can perceive it as the required effort to achieve the goal. And that is another way to shift my perspective. So anytime I can have a reference book where it's like, just like, almost like, I feel like you wrote a book. That's a cheerleader to my life. That's like, you can do it, man. You know, you can have this muscle. 
It's awesome. <laughs> and and that's and that's 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 very much the the spirit of the book because I know again firsthand having having worked with many people in the forty plus age bracket. Uh, I often hear from them, and I have for many years, thinking it's too late, like muscle, gaining muscle and strength. That's a, that's a common myth is that once you get older, uh, it gets so difficult to gain muscle and, and to get strong and to retain muscle and strength that it, it's almost not worth it. Like when you, when you compare the amount of work that you got to do for the reward that you get. And ironically, I mean, I cite a couple of studies in the book that showed, for example, that middle-aged men and women and golden-aged men and women in some of these papers can gain muscle. And this was over a couple-month period, but still over a couple of months were able to gain muscle and strength uh, at about the same rate as college-age men and women. And and if, if you then, if you play that out over, let's say, the course of a couple of years, it, it holds true that- some younger people are going to gain muscle and strength a little bit faster than, than middle-aged or golden-aged people, but there are no middle-aged or golden-aged people who are not going to respond to training unless there's something really wrong. You know, there's a real medical condition, but th th there aren't many exceptions to this rule. I mean, even there are many medical conditions that will not, including is just even take clinically low testosterone levels. It's going to make it harder. Yes. And if somebody has clinically low, this would be men, clinically low testosterone. And women, if, if, if estrogen levels are particularly low, that, that can also get in the way actually of women's progress. But uh, if there's a hormonal issue like that, uh, I would recommend doing everything you can naturally to try to correct it. And if you can't do that, then working with a good endo. And like, if it's a guy getting on testosterone replacement therapy, I totally understand. If, that, if I were in that situation, that's exactly what I would do. Everything I can naturally. And if I can't fix it, it's a matter of quality of life. It's not about being jacked, right? But let's just say that that's, that, that's not an issue. Um, if, if somebody is lifting weights or let's say resistance training, because they could get to lifting weights, engaging in resistance training for the first time. Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's one study that there, there were women in their 70s and even in their 80s and, and in other papers that, that, that have, uh, they've, they've done these experiments with men too. And first time ever, doing any sort of resistance training and gained a significant amount of muscle and strength in a short period of time. Now, of course, we're talking about significant to their, to their body size and to their body weight. Um, men and women, ironically, when you compare muscle gain as a percentage of body weight with uh, men and women, it's about, it, it's comparable. It, that's a myth too, that, that women just can't gain any muscle to speak of. Well, no, if you look at it in an absolute sense, yes, guys gain more muscle and they gain it faster, but we have to look at it, of course, comparatively in terms of how big their bodies are and how big their skeletons are. So, um, women can do, can do quite well and people forties and beyond can do quite well. And a limiting factor, this is just a reality, but it just doesn't mean anything to most people. A limiting factor in age with muscle and strength gain is not whether you can gain muscle or strength or not even so much the rate at which you can gain it. It's how much total muscle and strength you can gain over the course of your training career. What is generally true is somebody who starts lifting weights at 16 years old and does it all the way up to 50, that person 
is probably going to be more jacked than the person who gets into it, uh, who, who starts doing push-ups for the first time at 45, for right. example. Right. And, and, and they, they don't even have the, the, the time that, that the 16 or they don't have 40 years. Well, they might, they might, they might have 40 years these days, uh, of, of lifting ahead of them. But even, even so chances are by the time the 45 year old is 85, he's not going to be as jacked. He's not going to have gained as much muscle and strength as the guy or gal who started at 16 and now is 55 or 56. And that though, uh, at least in my experience working with many people, they just go, Oh, really? Like that's it. That that's, that's the, that's the biggest downside is that I just can't get super jacked or probably can't get super jacked <laughs> or even just as jacked as the guy who's been doing it for 30 years on top of what you're going to do. And if he's been, if he's been diligent, he's probably pretty jacked and, yeah. and maybe even more jacked than, than many people uh, would, would care to be, especially if they understood the lifestyle that, that it requires to, to look like that, even, even if we're not talking about being shredded. Now we're talking about not just the amount of time that it requires. So let's, let's say five to seven hours of lifting per week and, and having to train pretty intensely. And once you get stronger, your risk of injury goes up. Uh, acute injury depends on what you're doing, but even just repetitive stress injuries uh, where you're just, you know, you have nagging aches and pains and that, that becomes more of an issue the more you're training. And so many people, they, they wouldn't want to spend that much time in the gym and have everything hurting all of the time, for example. That's <laughs> not worth it to them. And so, so that's just another example of uh, a myth that discourages many people who are 40 and beyond from even starting. And, and it's very cool when I hear from people who... They thought that, and that was in the way, and then they, they at least give me the, the benefit of the doubt, and they say, okay, I'm going to suspend my disbelief, and uh, I'm going to commit to three months of whether it's a Muscle for Life program or one of my programs, and then they're pleasantly surprised, like, oh, yeah, I'm gaining muscle and strength. It's working. I just wasn't doing it correctly previously. That was the only problem. It wasn't my genetics or uh, metabolic voodoo or something else. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. In an attempt to create more of a community, we are branching out and taking our Q&A episodes and the American Glutton Social Club to Patreon. We're inviting you to join us on Patreon to have more interaction, less of me talking at you and more of me talking with you. The bonus content will start rolling out February 10th, but you don't have to wait. You can join today for extra episodes, discounts, and so much more, like the Patreon-only Discord, which is already up and the conversations there have begun. So go find me at American Glutton on Patreon. Yeah, the other thing that's, I think, interesting is like, I've been working at this for a while. So anybody who's about who who's thinking about starting and maybe seeing something like this or reading your book or or getting into it and going like uh, I'm going to I'm going to try this, right? Th th in the next year, they have the potential for much more change and much more uh fat loss and muscle development than I do. By a, by a long shot, like they could kick my ass in statistics in the next year. That doesn't mean that they're going to be ahead of me after the year because I have so many years on top of them. But when I think about people who are 
really thinking about doing something like this for the first time in their lives, 40 year olds, a dude who's 350 pounds, 40 years old, have never been to the gym. I am literally envious of the amount of change that that dude's body is going to go through. Cause I, I could and just how excited he's going to be. Cause you remember that every day, once you are, once you know, you found it, you, you, you this works. All I have to do is keep going. Remember yeah. how exciting that was yeah. because of the, the, the rate of change. And this is, this is, it's, it's just new. And you're now able to see a future where you're not 350 pounds anymore and where you have abs for the first time. And, and then you do all those things and now you, you try to find what's next. It's right. just, it's just, not, it's, it's not, it, it's not as exciting. It's not as fun as that honeymoon phase. It's, it's not that honeymoon, that honeymoon phase is so beautiful. Like the changes are so quick and then you just get into like, okay, the now, now we're going to do the, <laughs> now, yeah, we're now it's going to be groundhog's day a little bit. And I'm going to be head down, you know, chop wood, carry water, this kind of thing to get yep. through some of it. And then I'm going to feel great and I'm going to have breakthroughs and I'm going to hit goals and like all of that. And it's wonderful, but I, I do feel some envy towards people who are just setting out, who have no idea the amount of change. And, and I think even, Sometimes, and I've been guilty of this too, of, of comparing myself in the past to people who have been doing it a lot longer than me and going like, well, I, I only lost 50 pounds this year. And it's like, I didn't lose 50 pounds this year. That's massive. You're killing it. Right. Um, that's a big deal. Like all of these things need to be put into perspective. Like you can do it and you're going to crush it. And it's not going to be the same in 10 years. You're going to, the gains are going to be a little bit slower. Totally. And, and that's why, again, I'm excited for this book because getting people up to that, you know, that virtuous cycle phase where they're getting results and then they're getting excited and then they do even more and they get more results is um, it, it's more rewarding to do that for people for these reasons that we're just talking about than it is to help, uh, an experienced weightlifter gain another inch on his biceps. There's nothing wrong with that, but in my own selfish, uh, you know, self interests, it's, it's, and, and I just think it's, it's more, even, even on a, in a bigger picture, we look at what's going on in a, just here, just in America with people's health and, and people and how that ties into body weight and body composition and sedentary living. There are a lot more people who need a lot more help in the, in the former camp than the latter camp, but it's, it's, it's cool to help people just gain enough momentum that that's, that's the key, I think, to, to making it through that first three months. And if you can make it through that first three months, having gained enough momentum, getting results, then there's a very good chance. You're going to then have a, a good first year. And then if you have a good first year, there's a very good chance that this is now really a part of your lifestyle and it becomes now much harder. The thought of stopping for any reason is, is much harder to, uh, to even consider than to keep going, you know, and that that's, that's when you really have it nailed is when you know that so long as there's nothing valid that gets in the way, you're going to get your workout in you're going to, you're going to stick to your meal plan. You have to be perfect, but you're not 
you're not going to drive by to, to mention something in yesterday's interview. You're not going to drive by Carl's Jr., smell the burgers and go, uh, screw it and veer off into the, into the drive-thru and then put down a couple thousand calories of greasy deliciousness. But, um, so, so it's just, um, that's, that's, that's the, that, for me, it's, it's, it's part of the, the payoff, right. Of, of the work that I do is, um, being able to hear from people who tell me that my work helped them do just that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think that it, it does and it, and it will continue to do so the, the, the momentum that's, that's super key to, to, to think about because, I think anyone who's in a, a point where they're thinking about change, right, has momentum going in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's inertia, right? It's like, right. You're, you're, you're moving towards something and you're going like, I want to divert. I want a course going the other direction. It's, it's not overnight that the course is just flowing that way. But like, to your point, I don't miss gym days if i get really deep into uh, a block of working out and i've i've got a lot of fatigue and like you add on top of that something like work where it's like 14 16 hour days um there will be an occasion where i miss a day at the gym and i'm i'm okay with that but if i have the time and i haven't utterly crushed myself there isn't a single day where i go i i don't need to get to the gym today right it's not it's it it is utter momentum at this point it would be the the amount of force it would take to divert me from the gym is actually like really profound today whereas the amount that of effort and energy that it took to get me to the gym in the beginning was very profound so these are things to think about um, that people can experience in very small ways. Set yourself a new goal. See how much effort it takes to achieve that. Something you could do every day for a week or, or, or something like that. And see if by the end of the week, you're just doing it without as much effort. You know what I mean? Like there are ways to game this and the gym can just be that too. And, and that's that. That's, uh, I think a, a very viable approach to fitness is to use like BJ Fogg's um, term, tiny habits, right? And uh, for many, many people should start, I think, with that mentality, not because they're lesser in any way, but no, just because it's a smart way of going about it, it is, it's kind of a having a heart to heart with yourself. And, and thinking about, all right, what is, well, let's, let's take exercise. What's something that I feel that I can commit to without a question in my mind, there's no doubt that, that, that I'm going to go do that. I feel no friction. So for some people that might be getting in the gym and lifting weights, maybe, um, maybe they're just at a point where they're very excited to do that. They've always wanted to do that. They have friends doing that, whatever. Uh, but for other people that might be starting with a, going for a walk, like I mentioned that where they were the idea, maybe they're intimidated by the idea of going to the gym. Um, it, it, it just seems the time, the effort, but going for a walk, getting outside for, even if it's 15 minutes a day, they think, yeah, I can do that. I want to do that. That sounds good. Great. Start there and do that every day until it is on automatic until you don't even think about it anymore. 
And then can we add to that? And for different people, that might mean different things. Maybe it's extending the walk. Maybe it's turning the walk into like a rucking session, throwing a backpack on with some weight to make it a little bit more difficult. Maybe it's incorporating some resistance training. So now it's okay, I'm going to go for a 15 minute walk. And then I'm going to do a 15 minute body weight, uh, resistance training routine when I get home and that same person, if they would have tried to start with the 30 minute regimen, it might've been too much. They might've done it for a few days and then uh, resistance builds up and then they skip a day and then they feel guilty and they skip another day. And uh, a week later, they're not doing it anymore, but by, by taking it more incrementally, they can make it, uh, it's just, it's just a better on-ramp to higher levels and higher levels and higher levels, levels of fitness take diet. And, and I, I like to refer to these things just as easy fitness wins. There are just easy wins. There's nothing wrong with going for easy wins. Um, instead of going all in overhauling the diet, creating a very meticulous meal plan, doing it perfectly. Everything's weighed out. So, you know, your exact portions and you're eating the same foods every day. Oh, that's, I also should probably mention that for people who are very, very fit, almost all of them eat the exact same foods, every meal, every day. I should add that as another thing that many people are not excited about. Right. And it just becomes hard to introduce a lot of variety or time consuming. Um, cause you're going to have to know your portions and your calories and your macros. If you have a private chef, then yes, sure. That's easy. <laughs> you, you tell your private chef. Okay. Okay. Chef. I have 3000 calories per day. Here are my macros. You surprise me. Okay, sure. Then it's easier. <laughs> but yeah. in the absence of that, uh, you are your private chef. So you're, it takes a lot of time. Um, but, but with the diet, instead of doing that, instead of going all in, Maybe we can start with replacing one high, highly processed, high calorie kind of indulgent type of food that you like to eat with a lower calorie, maybe less processed, less indulgent. So instead of the fried chicken, maybe it's air fried chicken, which uh, gives you a lot of the experience for a lot fewer calories. Instead of the, the very high calorie um, coffee drink, the Frappuccino or whatever, can we do a lower calorie one? Can we downgrade that to a latte, maybe a cappuccino, or maybe even an Americano? Um, can we not eat the, the candy or the cookie as a snack, maybe have a protein bar um, and a little trick with protein bars. If you microwave them for like 30 seconds, they get even better. They, they get tastier, <laughs> right? So, so can we start there and then do that for a week or two again to where it's ingrained and then can we look for another easy win? Can we add a, a serving of vegetables in there somewhere? Just one serving. Can we add that? Can we um, add a serving of protein if protein is low? And, and that approach, again, it works really, really well. And I think it's something that all of us need to understand ourselves and, and deal with ourselves, I would say, in a in an understanding manner and not try to demand that we do what somebody else is doing. We go from where we are right now to what, where somebody else is. And if we can't do that, well, then we're just pathetic and you know, we're a failure. And in a lot of people, they get, um, they get caught up in that. And it's, it's, it's also, this is kind of in the theme of what we've been talking about. What's, what's funny is even a lot of the people, who we might look to and, and think, well, that's what I need to be doing. We don't know 
what it took for them to get there. We don't know the struggles that they went through and everybody went through something and, and many people, they're not going to talk about it. Um, but, and, and the struggles they even go through just to look the way they still look and to do what they do. Right. And, and I understand not wanting to talk about it, maybe, um, not out of a sense of, I mean, the, this, vulnerability movement, so to speak. I, I think that there's some value in it, but then also a lot of it, uh, it becomes almost like glorifying weakness and, and, um, and victimization and dysfunction as opposed to acknowledging that we're all, we're all broken in, in different ways. Yes, that's true. But uh, we also all are great in in different ways, and let's let's focus on where we can be great and not wallow in what is not working. Uh, but but I guess that that's maybe a different discussion, a different tangent. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back, gals. Have you ever seen a professional bodybuilder at the gym? They almost always, and this is in fair or foul weather, come in wearing at least one sweatshirt. Usually the hood is pulled up, and oftentimes there's a towel crammed in there to keep even the slightest breeze off their necks. And when the sweatshirt comes off, watch out for the ubiquitous tank top underneath. Well, you know where you can get sweatshirts, gym towels, and tank tops? The American Glutton Store, that's where. And fellas, don't think we've left you out. We've got windbreakers for the real savages. Anyone working out in a windbreaker has unlocked legend status in my book. And if your feet get cold when you're wearing shoes, we've got socks too. Visit AmericanGlutton.net slash shop today and level up your gym game. That's AmericanGlutton.net slash shop. I, I really like what you're saying, and I hadn't even thought about it quite uh, to this level. But but the you know the the there's a, a demonization of diet culture. But I I I have my own version of a uh, like a, a disgust with fad diet culture, mm-hmm. and I think that my disdain for it is mostly because it takes the onus of responsibility away from the individual and places it in the food. Even if you get into, um, uh, you know, bariatric surgery, which I'm not saying I'm against it, but I still think even there you're going like, you can't be responsible for this. Therefore we're going to say this responsibility lies elsewhere and we're going to do something else. And, or if it's carbohydrates are the devil or lectins are the devil or meat is the devil or, you know, whatever, pick your poison of what the fads are, are, are saying is the, the way out. But I like what you're talking about because I, I I've thought about it in, in, in even like um, maybe too steep of a gradient of what you're saying of like, just like, only shop at the outside of the grocery store, right? If you just stop going to the inner part and getting that highly caloric, dense, densely uh, packed uh, processed food, right? You'll be better off. But you're literally saying like, get used to a coffee that has less energy. That's going to, that's where you start. And once you're used to that, pick something else, pick the the snack you have every day, yep. instead of the bag of chips, have the protein bar. Like 
I think anybody can do that. And, and if we are talking about like a lifelong change, it is going to require that. But we're, we're so uh, inundated with my diet's the best and the fastest and it's the easiest. And it's like, well, that's why we have this, this roller coaster cycle of yo-yo dieting in America. And so many people have so many failures that it's becoming even impossible to talk, but, but, but we arrive at a day and age where there's so much food availability that if we're not at least conscious of what we're eating, we're going to have problems. And there's so much highly processed food that is highly engineered to be as delicious as possible. Uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars, just, just with the biggest, take the, the few biggest food companies out there. They've spent so much money and they continue to spend money um, testing. I, if you read the book, it's um, Mike, uh, what is it? Salt, sugar, fat. It's those three. I think I'm getting the, the order wrong. Salt, um, sugar, acid, fat, I think. I think there's an uh, acid in there. Is it acid that, or is it heat? There is. Well, well, no, I think that's probably a cooking. There is a book. Here, I'll just, I'll just pull it up. I'll search for it. Salt, sugar, fat. Yeah, I'm thinking of the cookbook. I'm like, yeah, yeah all those things together are delicious. Correct. Uh, salt, sugar, fat. I didn't remember Michael Moss. So okay. um, I, that's a. I had him on my show to talk about some of the stuff he talks about in the book and just how much work goes into. Let's just say has gone into something like the Dorito. A lot more than, than many people would think. Thousands of experiments to get the crunch right, to get the taste right, to, to, to hit what, what food scientists would call the bliss point, where um, you get maximum pleasure from every chip and you get that it, without the satiety. They don't want you to fill up. Just You just keep going. Like in the book, he talks about the inventor of the Cheeto and just how ecstatic this guy was that he invented this thing that 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 gives uh, a lot of that hedonistic punch with no satiety. You don't yeah. feel like you ate anything after you've eaten, you know, you can eat a bag of Cheetos and be hungry in 30 minutes, right? Yeah. And then go for the next bag. And and so um that that is is the backbone of a lot of the the industry of highly processed, highly palatable, high calorie foods and to your point of, of responsibility, um, do, do those companies have responsibility in creating the obesity uh, situation? Absolutely, they do. There's no question. And that applies to fast food as well, of course. A lot of work that goes into that to make it as, as tasty as possible and to encourage you to just encourage excess, essentially, right? Um, yes, but the individuals, they have responsibility too, because they are buying the stuff and they are eating the stuff. And although we, we might say food can be addictive, um, it, it's not addictive in the same way that, that drugs are addictive. And, uh, this is, I know I'm, uh, you had mentioned in our, in our previous interview that, um, you had an issue with drugs at one point. And so I, 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 I myself have not, I'm just speaking uh, to my understanding of the scientific literature and in that what goes on physiologically with, with addictive drugs is different than what happens physiologically with foods that are delicious to eat, even, even sugar. And so ultimately, and, and you had mentioned this in, in the interview on my show that regardless of 
who bears more responsibility. You almost like get into a grievance match of, well, it's more your fault, it's more my fault. What if, if a person is going to get out of it, they have to accept to use Jocko Willing's term, extreme ownership. You just yeah. have to get to that point. You have to get to that point where you say, I don't care what other people have done to me. I don't care who else is responsible for this. Here's what I'm responsible for. I kept buying the, the food. I kept eating the food and I knew it. I kept doing that despite knowing that it was bad and it was causing weight gain. And you have to be able to get to that point. You have to, you have to accept that before you can act effectively. Uh, and, and I know that again, in the interview you did with me, that was very much a part of your journey, right? Was getting to that point where you're like, all right, this is on me now. That's it. No more laying the blame elsewhere. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think the word addictive, if we're being literal, yes, the body cannot be physiologically addicted to sugar in the same way that it can be physiologically or addicted to cocaine, right? Or alcohol even, which is legal. Um, But I, I, I think of myself as an addict because there are compulsions that I have to do things with substances. And I would call food one of those substances. Like when I think about getting off drugs maybe for a a very short period of time it was more physically uncomfortable than i've necessarily been with all of the crap i've gone through with food but food is like really hard psychologically hard also physically hard because you do feel ways when you withhold food from yourself um so I, I I can understand when people say they're addicted sure. to food. I I I I get it. I've I've been there. I feel that. But and in that way, ironically, some people are addicted to exercise. Even totally, a hundred percent. You can be addicted to anything. I, I think of addiction as anything you are compulsively doing that isn't necessarily lining up with your overall goals, right? Yeah. And so you yeah. continue to do this thing, and it's like, well. You might have to work really hard to stop doing this thing. Alcohol exists. I don't drink alcohol. Alcohol, by the way, alcohol is responsible for something like 80,000 deaths in America every year. And that's alcohol poisoning, sclerosis of the liver, um, uh, drunken driving, car accidents, right? This type of thing. Now, I can sit here and go like alcohol harmed me. Or I can go like, I don't drink alcohol anymore and I'm going to be better off if I don't do that. And and that is a more powerful position I have found for myself than sitting here and going like, how bad is alcohol? And like, I can't believe these evil criminals are allowed to produce such an awful thing. It's like, no, I've seen people enjoy a Big Mac and they don't have heart disease and they're not obese. And I've seen people have a glass of wine and they're not blackout drunk or, or not harming themselves in some way. This is not, this is not my problem. My problem is with me. How am I going to treat these things in a healthier way? And if we got to a point as a society where uh, Big Macs had to be banned to save, you know, we're like, okay, we need calorie mandates now, or everyone's just going to overeat themselves to death. Um, that's that's triage. There there are much deeper problems. You're not going to have a functional society 
if you've gotten to that point, right? And so the, the change does have to happen at, at an individual level. It can't just be imposed from the top down. Uh, there are certain things, of course, that should be illegal. I think, I think it's probably better for a society that you can't just grab a bag of cocaine on your way out at Publix uh, <laughs> in the, like you can grab some, some gum. Uh, but you could say at the same time, if, if you lived in the right society with, with the right people, you could have cocaine in every checkout aisle and it wouldn't sell. Right. But of course that's utopian thinking. And so there's a balance there. Right. Um, and, and. Well, uh, I, I am surprised to be honest with you. I am very surprised with, with the, um, the data pretty firmly in on the uh, what the vaccinations do and, and how they, are ultimately a um, reduction in hospitalization and death, but not at all a protector of me. Especially with something. Yeah. Especially with Omicron. We see that very clearly. Right. Right. So I am surprised that if, if the, if the end computation is like, we need to keep people out of hospitals so that hospitals are open for people who really need hospitals. How are calories not being calorie counting? I've talked about this. I've asked this to people who were for um, like, this is nothing I'm advocating for, by the way, I'm just painting a funny picture. Of course, of course. But this is, this is, this is where the discussion goes. Uh, Okay. So let's talk about obesity. Then let's talk about the cost that is imposed on the rest of us on society, because ultimately people, um, they eat too much and they move too little. And, and that's not to, how, how to help people to stop doing that. You need to, there's a lot more that goes into it. They just knowing that isn't, isn't helpful. That's like getting into golf and knowing that Tiger Woods, when he tries to hit this shot, he just feels like his hands are doing that. Yeah. Go try that and see what happens. Right. It's, it's not that simple to, to hit the ball like Tiger Woods. I get that. Um, but ultimately that is the problem. These people are making choices. They're not being forced to go to Carl's Jr. Every day by the government. And, and so then the, the look at the healthcare costs that are just associated with that, with it, with obesity, so if we're going to start mandating um, uh, health, I, I mean, the, the injections are procedures, but if we are going to start mandating things, telling people you cannot do this because it's bad for your health and then that affects everybody else, then- There's an yeah, awful we lot not, we could start. How do we, there's there's a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do we not get to that? Maybe we should start rationing calories then- uh, <laughs> Maybe we should start rationing alcohol. Maybe we should start rationing. Maybe we should go further on than, than on the calories because um, body composition plays into this, especially as people get older. If they don't take care of their body composition, they're much more likely to fall down and break something. And uh, they're much more likely to die from any and all causes. And unfortunately, in the process of dying, they're probably going to soak up a lot of insurance money to try to keep them alive. And, and so- then we should probably also be thinking about muscle and strength and making sure that those people maintain their muscle and strength. And so you just, you just, you start thinking about this and then you go, Oh, well, I'm not sure I'd want to live in a, in a society like that. 
And, and then, and then you could even play the devil's advocate, which is like what people will say if they don't, um, if, if, if you were to say something about privacy invasions, right. And they'd be like, well, I don't have anything to hide one. That's not true. Everybody has something that they wouldn't like to be shared around on Facebook. For example, it doesn't have to be uh, some tremendous vice even, but we all have things we would like to keep private and not have everyone know about us period. Uh, but, but by that logic, they go, well, for people like you and me, we could live in that society because we do all of these things. So, hey, it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect me. I don't care. Ma- yeah, mandate calories. Do it. That's going to be great for society. But of course, when you have people who who think like that, then eventually they come for you. Eventually, you're not doing something that it, it has been decreed as in the public good, and it could be getting injections every three months forever. And you're like, but I already had. COVID and, you know, here's 150 papers on natural immunity and look at my risk factor. I'm not a risk at all. And I don't quite understand. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't understand because it has been decreed. Right. And so, so, I mean, it is, it is a bit ironic, um, to, to see the, the cognitive dissonance. If you try to explain that to certain people and, um, I, I've tried it, and that's it usually just kind of breaks down. Like the discussion doesn't go well, very far. <laughs> it becomes very religious. People are either yeah. pro mandate or anti mandate, and I, I think both sides hold this position in a way that it's like, do you recognize that we're talking about values, not about objective truth or, or beliefs? Right. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're talking about beliefs. We're talking about what you believe is right versus what actually is. Again. What actually is, is the, the light travels. This is my favorite scientific thing. And, and it falls apart around black holes. It, it gets warped, but light travels at 300 kilometers per second, right? Whether that's good or bad depends on your value system or your beliefs, right? It, it has no goodness or badness. So science has no goodness or badness. We human beings apply goodness, rightness, or wrongness to it. And so I just love the idea of a future where we have uh, calorie passports and like they're stamped every where, time. Where you get something. you get scanned, you get yeah, your body get, comp scanned. They, it, the government know. gives you a scanner. You right. have to you have to step in front of it every day. <laughs> but all politicians, anyone who works for the government, exempt. Double, yeah, exempt or no, they're exempt. calories. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, exactly. No, they're it. just exempt, period. They have no scanners and they get unlimited calories and they're all obese yeah. and they're the ones lording over all of us. That's uh, that, that, there's, there's a non-zero chance that we'll live in a world like that. I mean, there's that, that's, you look at what they're doing in China with their social credit score. It's not a stretch for them if they had the technological means to impose uh, something related to food intake or alcohol intake. I mean, their system, if you raise your voice in public, your your score can go down. If you right. jaywalk, your score can go down. Uh, they're, and they're building. Of course, the system gets more and more sophisticated uh, as, as time goes on. So it, it'll happen there first. We could, we could yeah. probably make a prediction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Mike, thank you so much. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 